0: welcome to the common round medical
1: education for medical students by medical students i'm Hamid
0: and i'm andy and joining us today is our executive producer gautam today we'll be talking about hepatitis a hepatitis b and hopefully we'll have time to talk about hepatitis c all right andy let's start off with hepatitis a can you tell us what hepatitis A is? So hepatitis A is a
1: non-enveloped RNA virus, and uh, from my knowledge, it predominantly leads to an acute phase of hepatitis reaction. Yeah, that hardly goes into a chronic reaction.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yep. What What else should we talk about? I guess in terms of its transmission, yep. uh, it's transmitted through the fecal or oral route. So yep. um, you know, there's obviously risk. There was a recent hepatitis A um, scare in Australia where there was contaminated berries. Yep. That led to um, you know a small number of people getting infected. Mm-hmm. It is a um, RNA virus as well. Yeah. But like you mentioned, it leads to an acute, usually self-resolving outcome without too many complications. That's Um, good. In terms of some of it's, it can cause hepatitis, right? And it yeah. resolves. Does the virus lead to the damage or is it the immune system that does most of the, Interestingly, the damage? Interestingly,
1: I think it's more the immune system's reaction to the virus that causes most of the acute uh, or the, the serious side effects right? yeah, that's of, right. of the disease. And yeah, so once the immune system clears it out, then the, the symptoms go away.
0: Yeah, exactly. And often patients who get this virus will have, a, you know, an in, will be incubating this um, this virus for, you know, three to six weeks. So they might not necessarily know that they've Got it. And the virus starts appearing in the feces between seven to ten days, and mm-hmm. that's when you can start transmitting it. Yep. But the you know these patients can be infected without realizing it for a while before the symptoms develop. What are some of those symptoms that that these patients can
1: develop? So mainly we're talking about acute hepatitis, an acute reaction yeah. to it. And so uh, when, we're, when we when we mention hepatitis, we should think about let's say the d- damage to the liver cells, so the hepatocytes. So if you damage the liver cells, we you would result in things such as jaundice, dark urine, tender and soft liver. Other symptoms would include you know, nausea, vomiting, anorexia, so loss of your appetite, and possible even weight loss as well. It yeah. A bit of fatigue and malaise as well. So Yeah,
0: exactly. So it's like, it's a generic sort of symptoms that you might come to expect with just hepatitis in general. How do you diagnose it? So what we do is we just look at
1: the body's reaction to the hepatitis A virus. So we look, we test for antibodies for the hepatitis A virus, and we look at the nature of those antibodies. If it's IgM, that's the first phase reaction. So let's, so it's a, it means it's an acute infection. If it's an IgG antibody that you find, then odds are it's either the infection has been fought off and cleared off in the past or it means that the person has had a vaccine. It's hard to tell, but you yeah. just look at the IgM and the IgG. Exactly. So yeah. that's
0: what really it indicates. And we mentioned that, you know, it's usually acute and self-resolving, but in a very small percentage of patients, it can mm. lead to severe or permanent liver damage, which yep. leads to liver failure, particularly okay. if you age. If you get the older you are, the more high risk or the more conditions you have that impact on the liver, the, yeah. the higher the risk of developing. It's still a very low risk, but it's a risk factor. Now, you mentioned vaccination. Can you tell me about the vaccination? Vaccination side of it. Do you vaccinate everyone? I, I think depends on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would actually go about
1: vaccinating everybody to get a hepatitis A vaccine. Uh, main reason is because that the simply the cost-benefit uh, ratio just isn't there. Yeah, it's they're, very expensive. It is an expensive medication. But in the case of let's say there is a community outbreak and you feel that you want to prevent uh, as as one of those um, as a doctor you want to prevent people from getting it, then maybe at that point in time you can you can consider it. Yeah. Or also you can consider the person's lifestyle style and see if whether if they're going traveling and that's going to put them at risk of getting it then exactly you would definitely yeah or if vaccine. you have family
0: members who may you know develop hepatitis a and you want to protect the whole family then you would vaccinate but it's not routine practice to give everyone you know preventative treatment mm. because it's just it's so it's not common in a developed country um, mm-hmm. and, and often it's associated with traveling so that's when you would then vaccinate it that's pretty much hepatitis a unless you want to add anything else to it no, that's that's right but yeah it's I, pretty straightforward isn't it yeah now let's talk about hepatitis e that's kind of tied in
1: with hepatitis no, it's a, a it's very similar to the hepatitis A virus isn't it so it's also another fecal oral virus it's also RNA virus as well um, but however I think it
0: presents in different parts of the world isn't it again it's it can be um, present in Southeast Asia and, and countries like that okay but I guess the issue with this one is that it can be really life-threatening if you're pregnant uh, could you rem- could you remind me again why that is yeah I, I look I'm not exactly sure you know why but if you have hepatitis A and yes. hepatitis E the, hum- yep. the risk of having sustained liver damage is much more so you can actually develop severe liver damage and it can be extremely life-threatening in pregnancy so that's something to be mindful of there isn't a vaccine at the moment there's i think there's one in development but i'm not sure whether it's um, routinely used or prescribed unless you know yeah
1: i don't think it's commercially available at the
0: moment but I think they, they were looking into that. That's right. I think this is the main topic of our discussion today is Hepatitis B. Ooh. It's a pretty interesting virus, and there's a lot that needs to be considered about it. I think schools love to assess students on how to read the hepat- Hepatitis B virus. Yeah, yeah exactly, because it's got so many um, things happening to it at the same time. So yeah. um, what is Hepatitis B? Unlike Hepatitis A, E, and later
1: on we'll talk about C, so Hepatitis B virus is a DNA virus. So out of all these that we're going to learn, Hepatitis B is the only DNA virus. It causes acute hepatitis and, in rare cases, can lead on to chronic hepatitis. And we, sh- we will go on to the structure of hepatitis yeah. in a second let's yep. do you want
0: to talk about the structure now i think oh, yeah yeah Let, let's talk about the structure okay. and then we talk about how how it's transmitted, um, how it's transmitted and, and okay. what it does
1: so the hepatitis b virus has an envelope right Yes, yeah, so got it's a, got an envelope around on the it. envelope and on the outside it's got these surface antigens it's got the envelope it's got core antigens and on the inside it's also got this thing called the hepatitis b dna yeah and so those are the main key players that don't we forget the into.
0: core yeah did you mention the core in there as well oh, yeah, i got m- a, yeah. mentioned there's a core, yeah. core antigen as well yeah exactly so now that
1: we've mention the structure, um, yep. how is it transmitted? Unlike A and E which are once again
0: fecal oral, hepatitis B is transmitted through body fluids. Yeah, essentially yep. every body fluid with the exception of fecal oral, unlike all the other two, which is really interesting. So, you know, yep. blood, semen, tear, saliva, lots of things. Sweat, can, breast milk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can can all trans, transfer it. Yeah. So what happens? Firstly, what is the incubation period for this virus? Was it six weeks to six months? Yeah, roughly. I mean, it's a ballpark figure, but it's an easy number to remember because it's six. very similar to hepatitis C, which we'll talk about later. Yep. So Yeah. Six weeks to six months is roughly the incubation period. Yeah. So during that time, you could be having this virus without necessarily knowing knowing that you're infected. Oh, dear. And again, in in some patients, it could be asymptomatic. In most patients, it's usually subclinical. Yep. Tell me about what happens in terms of, you know, the, the blood... investigations that you might come to expect in an acute hepatitis infection. So of
1: the investigations that we do, they're called serologies. And what we do is we just look at particular antigens and antibodies that the, the body targets. Tell us about what happens to those antigens during infection. Of course. When someone gets infected with hepatitis B, what you'll notice is their hepatitis B surface antigens are going to spike in the serology. So when you see someone with surface antigens, that means that there's a hepatitis b infection going on right now the moment that those surface antigens disappear the odds are the back uh, the viral virus is cleared out of the yeah system.
0: or it's under control to, yep. to, to an extent so once the surface antigens go up that shows that there is some budding something's happening inside the hepatocytes then yep. you can come to expect some um, hepatitis b dna and yep. also hepatitis b envelope virus mm. we, we need to note that not every genotype of hepatitis b produces an envelope Yep. right so that needs to be if you don't see it, it doesn't mean that the virus isn't producing it's one of those genotypes that can yep. get away without an envelope mm-hmm. soon up s- yeah. yeah
1: so what you're saying was that with the DNA and the envelope odds are is that if you see them that means the person's infected
0: yeah as well, it's right? an infective and also there's active replication and cell destruction going on as well that's yep. why the virus is being released into the into the bloodstream mm. okay yeah but surely after what yep. you might expect to see once you see these antigens starting to rise in the blood you also expect an immune response so you start okay. seeing IgM to the uh, to the caspid or the core hepatitis B core antibodies that's yes. what we also expect Core antibodies. Yep. exactly okay so yeah And as the antigens are rising, and as you're having this immune response, you're starting to develop some symptoms. Okay. You might feel tired. You might have a low-grade fever. Okay. You might have deranged LFTs because your liver, hepatocytes are being destroyed. But as your symptoms start to resolve, you start to see this um, anti-hepatitis B surface antibody starting to rise, which is like mopping up the virus particles, the the surface particles in particular. Um, And that, like you said, is a sign that, hey, your immune system's got it really under control. But Andy, like, Yep. With that in mind, yep. is there a chance for, you know, what percentage of people are asymptomatic? What percentage have mm. an acute hepatitis and how many of them you know is there a risk of being chronic
1: so there's like what we what we can think of is once the person gets infected there's a few different pathways that they can end up with like about 60 to 65 percent of people can lead on to this thing called a subclinical disease where yeah. i think they're asymptomatic but yep. they, they have the infection about 20 to 25 percent of people develop this acute hepatitis so the symptoms we mentioned before the anorexia the na- the nausea vomiting mm-hmm. um liver tenderness that kind of thing five to ten percent of people become carriers so I think I guess they're completely subclinical they, they don't have any symptoms but they they can infect other people yeah
0: and like the reason for that is that like the immune system has mounted a response but it's not good enough to completely suppress the viral replication mm-hmm. so these guys you know may not necessarily have much liver damage mm-hmm. but they can infect other people and they might not have any symptoms yep. you know with the occasion you know maybe derange LFDs here and there
1: and then the final four percent there's a very small proportion of this uh, of people who get infected develop chronic hepatitis yeah. i guess what what you should get out of this is just that hepatitis b is an acute infection with very rare cases of people getting chronic but it's possible
0: yeah exactly mm-hmm. this chronic thing is really important but, but why do we worry about this chronic picture like who cares you know so what if they're chronic what's the issue I think later on, we, what we want to prevent is,
1: with the chronic hepatitis, it can lead to cirrhosis and hepatocellular. Yeah, I think
0: in about 20% of patients, it can progress.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then later on, even to hepatocellular carcinomas, so the, the cancers of it. Yeah. And so what we want to make sure is just, we want to prevent as many people from getting cancers.
0: Yeah. So how do I know whether a patient has chronic... Hepatitis. Good question.
1: So I think you just look at the person's um, surface antigens, so FB surface antigens, and see whether if it's persisted for on more than six months. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a definition
0: of chronic is if they've had this infection for greater than six months. Yeah. Is it just surface antigen? Should they should there be DNA as well in their um, blood as well and other mm, markers? I don't know. I'm going to take a stab and guess that yes, you should. They should have DNA. Yeah. Because yeah. it's replicating, right? Yep. It's It's uncontrolled. So yeah, you should expect to see okay. some DNA as well. Yeah. Um, and and some envelope if the virus is expressing the envelope um, mm. markers as well. Okay, yeah. It, you know, how do you treat this then? You know, if these guys uh, have hepatitis, right? Can mm. you prevent hepatitis, hepatitis B transmission? You know, we said there was a vaccine for Hep A. Is there one for Hep B? Yeah, there is a routine Hep B vaccination that's available for. for and do you, for you give people. it to everyone, or is it still like selected high risk population? I think it's
1: still a selective population. Is, is that correct or? No,
0: I think no. You actually give Oops. it to everyone because the <laughs> yep. the risk given the fact that it can transform yep. into chronic and. Yep also it's generally the the disease can be much more severe. You give it to everyone because uh, okay. benefits outweigh the cost, My and bad. it can reduce the risk of transmission by about ninety percent, which is amazing. So yep. you know it can lead to huge benefits in, in the population. So what about the chronic patients? Can you treat them? Is there anything to do for those, or do they, are they destined to get liver failure or cirrhosis? What, or...
1: what we can do is try immunosuppressant therapies to actually pre- um, to reduce the DNA, the hepatitis viruses activity in the body and prevent further ongoing damage so what do you mean by immunosuppressant therapy that one i'm not too as familiar as i think do
0: you think you'd be able to explain it better than me? i think it's not so much the so so the way hep, management of chronic hepatitis b works is that you look at how much dna they have you look at you know um, how much liver damage so you're looking at alt yeah so if they've got a dna count of greater than twenty thousand international units per mm-hmm. mil yep. and a deranged alt of greater than 90 suggesting that there's some sort of liver damage occurring mm-hmm. you can consider treatment but in patients who have a smaller amount of DNS or around 2,000 international units but have deranged ALTs, as well as established fibrosis, those guys are also candidates for treatment. Yep. And the way you would treat them is to give them antivirals specific oh, okay. for hep B, so you give them antikavir yeah. and tenofovir. Yep. You guys can look that up and, and, and look look at how it works, um, but it's an anti antiviral uh, medica- oral medication that you can give. Yeah. And it's been shown to slow the progression of hepatitis B infection, oh, okay. yeah. but also reverse it. If any of you smart audiences know whether it cures it, I would like to know. Because to my knowledge i think i'm not sure whether it's just suppressing it or whether it completely gets rid of it like mm. hepatitis c treatments yep so let us know um but that's it in terms of managing the hepatitis b infection so you can either vaccinate to prevent or you yep. can treat it mm. where the markers are appropriate for treatment is there anything else you want to add
1: no i think covered most of it yeah, yeah. no it's pretty and pretty straightforward yeah so come also just have a look at the notes we've got just worked through examples of like how to uh, how to read the hepatitis serologies yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. No, That's great.
0: Mm. Um, so just to summarize, so we talked about hepatitis A and the fact that it's fecal, or cool, fecal, fecal oral transmitted yep. and the fact that you can vaccinate but it's only in people of high risk yep. and it's self-resolving in most cases. We talked yep. about hepatitis uh, E and that's uh, fecal oral transmission as well. It's a particular concern in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And hepatitis B where you've got the you know complex structure and you see antigens, then you see the symptoms and then you see antibody response to the virus. And you can have a small percentage that become chronic and in need of treatment otherwise mm. it might get cirrhosis and hepatocellular carcinoma all right guys so that's it for this episode do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off so we'll talk about hep c next time yeah we'll talk about hep c in our next episode okay sounds good all right see you guys bye, bye. Hi, everyone. Thank you for
1: listening to our Common Rounds podcast. You can find all of our episodes, notes, elective experiences, and much more content on our website. So come visit us at thecommonrounds.wordpress.com. And see you next time.